0: is going to do some wonderful, wonderful things in your life. Life. And if you're watching online, uh, thank you for joining us online as well. We know that, uh, 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 as Pastor Tim mentioned, it's always good to be in the house when we get to worship God together, but sometimes life happens, sometimes things happen, and uh, you can't be here, but we're glad that you're taking the time to, to view us uh, as well online. And so in this series, Unshakable, I, I last week kind of began to set some things up, and um, I asked a couple of questions. I, don't, I want to remind you of them. You know, we're talking about being unshakable and, and kind of what does that mean? to be unshakable, and why are we talking about it, and there's a lot of different contexts or, or, or pers- perspectives that we could have, but I asked this question, who's in control, and I, I, I wanted you to think about that for just a moment, who's in control, because it's very evident at times, and depending on where you're at when you're being asked that question, if you are in church and you're being asked that question, you know that the correct answer is either God or Jesus, right, right? I mean it's in church and who's in control? Well we ultimately know or believe that God is in control. Anybody? But how many of you sometimes go outside of church or you meet people that aren't church people? And they're looking around at this world, that's going crazy, and they're saying, who's in control? And when you look at the different things that have happened around us as a, as a, as a nation, or if you look around the world for, for the, to the natural disasters and, and political upheaval in different nations and, and people that are, 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 are struggling in so many ways, I think it would be correct at times to ask the question, wow, who's in control? What in the world is going on? If God is in control, I hate to quote from a movie called Bruce Almighty, but if God is in control, he seems to not be doing a very good job. Anybody? And some of you have experienced things in life, and, 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 and your experiences in life, maybe you experienced the pain of a divorce or, or a business failure or whatever it might be, and you thought, you know what, if God is in control, I'm not liking this very much. If God is in control, why does it seem like so many things are out of control? And it's really, really important to honestly ask that question and to go to the Word of God to get the answers for that question because it really ties into what it means to be unshakable, that our faith is immovable, that our hope and our trust and our confidence in God is something that can't be moved. And so we... we said this to you last week. It was kind of an aha moment, I think, for a lot of people, is that God is in control. We believe in his sovereignty and all of those things. God is in control, but he doesn't always take control. And that's an important distinction. God has given you this thing called free will. He's given you the ability to make a choice. He's given you the the, the freedom to be able to live your life, in a sense, the way that you want to. And so God is in control, but he doesn't always take control. And if our, if our consumption of media, if our consumption of, of social media, if our, if our streaming outpaces our knowledge of God's word or the good news, if the news cycles and the medias dictate our life more than the good news of the gospel dictates our life, then our fear, our anxiety, our anger, our depression is going to be self-inflicted. Because God's got life for us in his word. And so the principle that we're trying to get over to you throughout this series is simply this principle that sometimes, sometimes God shakes things to reveal things that can't be shaken. That sometimes things either in our individual life Or things in nations, things in the world get shaken in order to reveal things that can't be shaken. And I really think that that's a lot of what has been happening in 2020. I am not saying that God caused these things to happen. What I'm saying to you is that in spite of these things happening, as these things happen in us, to us, and around us, we have to have another perspective. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, the words once more, and and the writer here is. Really, it's a long continuation of a couple of chapters here. But but he says this, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things. If you went back to uh, the beginning of chapter 11, uh, uh The writer says, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen by it. The elders obtained a good report. By faith we understand that the world's reframed by the word of God, that God's word is what created this earth. And so as he says this, indicating the removing of what can be shaken, that is the created things. Creation will be shaken. Kingdoms will be shaken. Our lives at times will be shaken. But notice what he says, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. It brings a revelation to us And then he says Therefore since we are receiving a kingdom That can't be shaken Let us be thankful And so worship God acceptably With reverence and with awe We you and I are receiving An unshakable kingdom we have, we have become a partaker Of a kingdom that will not be shaken Even though everything around us around us Gets shaken The kingdom of God cannot be shaken You see When Jesus came to planet earth, he came to reveal an unshakable kingdom. He came to represent another way of living, another culture, another way of life. And the teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus, you may not know this. You may not be able to get your hands around this maybe right now. But the teachings of Jesus... (laughs) Man, they upset everything. They were extremely disruptive to the, to the norms of society, of religion, of theology, of, of you know, governments, all the different things that happened. What, what Jesus was saying many times, and I love the sayings of Jesus when Jesus said, you've heard it said, but let me say to you, there's a way that you've been conducting and living your life, but I'm representing to you and modeling to you a new way to live your life. In, in his sermon on the mount, as he, he went through and he began to talk about all of these different things, how we respond to one another, how we respond to offenses, how we respond when people wrong us, that we are to forgive. We're to forgive. And, and I think sometimes people would be thinking, well, like, Jesus, if I, if I do what you want me to do, then it's going to be sort of like I'm, <laughs> it's going to be sort of like here I am, I'm letting them off the hook. And Jesus would be like, Exactly. Because that's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to pay the price so that you can be forgiven. Yeah, but Jesus, you don't understand. And Jesus said, you know what? If you see somebody that has a need, go ahead and meet that need. Trusting that I'm going to take care of you. And and Jesus would be like, I'm going to I'm gonna make sure my heavenly father knows. He understands what things you have need of. So don't be afraid. And as he's presenting to us this way of this new kingdom, this unshakable kingdom. I want you to understand. And sometimes we approach the word of God in in a judgmental way, in a shame-inducing way. And sometimes our religious upbringing and religion is really different than Christianity. You you need to know that. You need to understand that. And so as Jesus is teaching through these different things, we get to Matthew uh, chapter 7 of verse 24. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them Whoever hears and does, whoever hears and does, whoever hears, and and he's been talking about, he's mentioning what he's been talking about for the last couple of chapters. You're here, and I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're paying attention, but that's not enough. You also need to put these things into practice. You need to do these things. Well, why do I need to do these things? He goes on and he says, I will liken him, the person who hears and does, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded upon a rock. The foundation of your life that causes you or me to be unshakable is what we do with what we hear. When I hear the word of God, and begin to put it into practice without excuse. I can't do it, it's too hard, I don't understand, I don't know, which is why I said earlier, if our streaming outpaces our knowledge of the Word of God, then then all of our fear and anxiety is going to be self-induced. And then Jesus goes on and he says this, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So we have a a choice this morning. God's in control, but it doesn't take control. God is not going to force you to do these things. But Jesus, as a loving example, wants you and wants me to know. And this is what's, I think, really, really important for, for today's message, particularly, and even as we look at next week. But, but Jesus, when, when he's presenting these things, he, he's telling you and I what we already know. Storms are going to ha- we're, we're all going to face storms in life. Amen? Anybody ever gone through some difficult moments? Some difficult times? I've been pastoring this church for 29 years now. I know people that have gone through very, very difficult things, and they were so shaken that they totally gave up on God, they totally gave up on Christianity, and they're just drifting through life right now. Without any purpose, without God in their life, because they feel like God abandoned them and God let them down. And and what I want you to pay particular attention to in this scripture is what Jesus didn't necessarily say. Jesus said that if you hear what I say and do it, you're going to build your house on a rock. And the storms are going to come and it won't be shaken. It's not going to fall. And he also said that if you hear these words and don't do them, when the storms come, your house will be shaken and it is going to fall. You know what Jesus failed to mention there? There's not a why in there. He doesn't tell us why the storms come. He just says, they're going to come. And we can look at other scriptures and we can spend time talking about all of the different reasons and examples or why the storm happens. Sometimes the storm happens, I know none of you would have done this, but if you've ever maybe made a bad decision in life, maybe you took the wrong advice and it led you down a path, that was your decision, maybe not the will of God. The Bible tells us that we reap what we sow. And so by the seeds of our life, by the plantings of our life, we're going to receive a harvest. We do have an adversary. We have the enemy. And he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he wants to get us to question the word of God. And so sometimes the, the, the thoughts of life and the battle of life that the enemy wages against us can overwhelm us. Jesus didn't give us a why the storms came. What he told us is that when the storms come, if you're doing the word of God... You're going to build your house on something that doesn't be shaken. And so let me take a swing at another verse. I ended this uh, talk last week with this particular verse in First Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. This is from the message, a little bit more modern translation. It says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. And that's what the storms of life does. The storms of life cause us to think that God is not on the job, that God has abandoned us, that God has let us down, that God is nowhere to be found. We can't hear him. We can't feel him. And I love what the line of that song, even when I can't see it, even when I can't feel it, I know you're working. We have to, we have to hold that truth in our heart and in our, in our thoughts because the attacks of the enemy and the attacks of this life will cause us to get to a point where we are uncertain whether or not God is really for us. And, and sometimes religion has taught us that, you know what, we made God angry, we made God mad, and God is doing this to you because he wants to get you in line. Can I remind you once again that if God wanted to make us get in line, if God was going to zap us because we were out of, uh, out of the, the will of God, we'd have all been zapped a long time ago. Amen? Amen. God is loving, and God is kind, and God is long-suffering. God desires and yearns for you and I to walk in his way. And so when Jesus said these things about building your house on the rock, it wasn't, it wasn't this threat from a mean, angry God who was just waiting to zap us. But it was the response of a loving father towards a world that had so far gone from the way that he had originally planned. And he said, if you just do these things, it will bring strength into your life. If you just do these things, if you just walk according to these principles. And so again, what what Peter was writing, when your life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job instead. Everybody say instead. Instead. And I asked you this question last week, what is your instead? And this, during the week, became extremely, way, way more more relevant than I ever realized this week, or or last Sunday when I was talking about it. Let me finish this verse. He said, instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. Jesus experienced difficulty. He experienced pain. He experienced these things. And so he's not a God that doesn't know what it feels like. He's not a God who doesn't understand what it means. But then he says, this is a, a spiritual Refining process. How many of you remember, where does the promise live? It lives on the other side of the process. We like the promise of God, but we're not big fans of the of the process. But there's a refining process. Iron sharpens iron and sometimes sparks fly when that happens. And so, as I was talking about this, and, and, and Pastor Steph and I, she's going to be taking the platform in just a few moments. But, but Pastor Steph and I have been talking for the last several months about when and how we could tie in something that is extremely personal in one sense and yet a wonderful blessing of what God has done and a lot of people don't understand you know as as and it's hard for me as a pastor first of all and and then pastor Steph who's a staff pastor and a leader here in this church, but then also a daughter that, that we love and appreciate and all of those things. And so there's a there's there's something that crosses at times, and it's it's difficult at times for me to express some things to you that I would like to express to you. But I asked her to share some things, and and as we were talking this week, and she's so excited, she can hardly wait to talk. She loves to talk in front of all of you. And uh, <laughs> oh, praise God. I, she may not even be back there. I don't even know. She might have <laughs> left <laughs> for all I know. <laughs> if I come back, we know what happened. But anyway, um, you know, there are things that happen, and so when, when we were talking about instead, and I have to tell you something and and I, I hope you can understand this i i would I would have zero problem saying something like this about Pastor John, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tommy, other staff, whatever it is um, the growth that I've seen in steph the 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 integrity and the strength of her heart uh, I couldn't be more proud as a dad first of all, and secondly, as just. A pastor who gets to lead staff in this church and all of those other things. She has done such a tremendous, tremendous job, just a a wonderful thing, and such a difficult time a year ago in this transition as she uh, began to. uh, We we call it a transition, it was more of a continuation between her and Pastor Tim and Miss Teresa. But I asked her to share, and she reminded me of some things about the word. Instead, I totally forgot about it. And so we're gonna play play a a clip, just a couple of minutes. She preached, I think it might've been the last time she preached was in March of 2018. And that'll give you a little bit of a context for where we're about to go uh, the rest of the service. So if you would. I'm
1: in 2016 going into 2017. Um, Brad Messner was around talking, asking everybody, what's your one word from God? What's your one word from God? And my phrase was, he's in the waiting. And it simply signified to me that just, um, God's not just in our victory, and he's not just in our our defeat, but he's somewhere in the process with us, wherever we're at in the process. And 2017 became a year that was so, so full of hurt and disappointment. It was a year full of unmet expectation, bad reports, it was just... Constantly, and, and I take the Bible very literally when it says, um, forget not, re- keep you in remembrance. And I have my phone with me 98% of the time. So every time that I would open my phone, I would see he's in the waiting, he's in the waiting, he's in the waiting. And um, instead of looking at it as a positive thing, it became really tough because I was reminded and constantly reminded that I'm in this process. And process is never fun. Waiting is never fun. And even though he's faithful to be with me in the process, I still couldn't see my victory. So in 2017, going into 2018, um, Brad said, are you going to, what's your word from God for 2018? And I got a little snippy with him. (laughs) And I said, I'm not doing that, Brad. Not. (laughs) And uh, he asked, of course, you know, why? And I said, because... I don't, my word isn't going to be victory. My word isn't going to be overcome. My word isn't going to be joy or peace or happiness. And I don't want to be held accountable to whatever my word is. And he said, he said, just because you don't want to doesn't mean you shouldn't. So weeks had gone by, weeks and weeks had gone by. And finally, I just said very flippantly, it was very early in the morning and um, couldn't sleep. So I was laying in bed and I said, okay, God, what's my word? And ever so sweetly, like the Holy Spirit does, he says, your word is instead. Yeah, see? My face looked like all of you right now, too. Like, oh, that's a great word from God. What does that mean? I didn't know either. <laughs> I was like, okay, God, instead of, like, where's the rest of it? And... Um, I really struggled with that, and I I kept, I kept, I knew that my word was instead. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was my word from God, but I didn't know what it meant, and um, we're about a month into 2018 at this time, and I got a text message from a former mentor of mine that um, I've talked to maybe once a year, and so it was very out of the blue, and she said to me, she said, hey, lady, I don't know why, but I think this is for you. (laughs) Never forget... There's always an instead. And in it, she quoted Isaiah 61 that says, To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. You see, it wrecked me. I sobbed like a baby because I realized real quickly that there's a choice in the instead. There's a choice on what side of the instead you're going to be on. Oh, man. This is not the most comfortable spot for me to be in this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever uh, look back on things like this and think to yourself, if I would have known then what I know now, first of all, if I would have looked back on that, I said, don't wear the same sweater and shoes that you wore two years ago. (laughs) I know some of you were thinking about it, so I just get that out of the way. (laughs) That's definitely what I would have said uh no but you ever look back and think to yourself like if i would only known then what i know now how different life could have been or what i would have done differently or what i um what i shouldn't have done or or could do and how differently life could have been um that's that's kind of how i feel about watching that stephanie um that was early 2018 early march of 2018 and um um, if I could look back and tell her some things, um, I would, well, first of all, I'd tell her shoes and sweater wheel. Um, but then I would tell her that I would use the scripture that we've been using, 1 Peter 4 12 through 13. I'd say, Steph, listen, when life gets really tough, don't jump to the conclusion that God is not on the job. Uh, instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced, because this is a spiritual refining process with glory just right around the corner. I would tell her, don't worry about everything that's going on in your life right now um, because your glory is right around the corner. And, and I, in fact, I would tell her, I would tell her that... Um, Make sure to pay attention to every little detail that's going on because you are in the middle of a God moment. You are in the middle of of one of the biggest God moments that you have yet to experience. And if you'll just hold on a minute, if you'll just hold on a little bit longer, if you just put your trust in him a little bit longer, you will see your miracle. And I want to give some context to that Stephanie, because that Stephanie was hurting, she was broken, Um, she was wondering kind of where she fit at in this process, and and where's God at in this process, and um, this is a very hard thing for me to share. I said one of my goals was not just to get up here and blubber the whole time, because this is a story that is very personal, um, and it's not something that I ever thought I would share, Um, but here we are. So um, I want to look back and give some context to that. Um, When I was 26, um, I'm 32 now, so when I was 26, um, I had some pain going on in my life. I had some stuff kind of going on in my body, and usually pain is an indicator that there's a problem. So um, I ended up at the doctor's office, and um, after going through some blood work and ultrasounds and things like that, they told me, um, they diagnosed me with a hormone disorder, and um, in that, the doctor said, It's not that big of a deal, plenty of people have it. The only time that we really need to um, worry about is is if it starts to affect your ovaries. So me being me, I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll do whatever you tell me to do just so I can get rid of this pain. Well, about a year later, I ended up back in the doctor's office. I was in excruciating pain. Nothing had changed. She was looking over all of my ultrasounds and blood work again, and she said, "Um, it looks to me like your left ovary has now shrunk, and your right ovary looks like it's on its way out as well. And then she asked me a very simple question. Do you want to have kids? And I thought, well, (laughs) I've only ever really wanted to be a wife and a mom. And when I said that, she said, well, it looks to me like we're going to have um, to, to look at some options because you're running out of time. That was like wind out of my sails, it was like just a gut punch. Cause I was thinking to myself, there's plenty of women older than me that have had kids. There's plenty like, where, what do you mean I'm running out of time? And I was talking with my friend and uh, my friend Jeanetta and she's pretty much tell it like it is. And she told me, she goes, I wouldn't be so concerned with your biological clock because you serve the author of time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that began to, like, alarm bells just went off in my, in my spirit. Like, yeah, I serve the author of time. I don't need to worry about my biological clock because I was nowhere near getting married and I was now losing, or what it seemed to be, losing my ability to have children. So... In that process, I remember the Holy Spirit, he just asked me, he said, what are you believing for? And I said, yeah, I'm believing that you're the author of time and that I don't have to worry about anything and that my victory is right here and I'm going to be healed the next time I go into the doctor's office. From that moment until uh, January 2nd of 2018, I saw five different doctors. And all of the doctors uh, started off with hope. Um, I started, I, I literally went to see anybody who told me about anything. I saw functional doctors and, and, and uh, traditional medicine and homeopathic doctors and chiropractors. And I took pills and oils and I did, all, did, I did all of it. And every doctor started off with hope and ended with disappointment. And all of them said, it is my opinion that you have a complete hysterectomy. And at every moment, every disappointing blow, I'd hear the Holy Spirit whisper, what are you believing for? What are you believing for? On January 2nd of 2018, this moment will be forever burned in my mind. See, I was coming out of 2017 and 2017 was my phrase he's in the waiting so I was expecting God to be in this process with me right and I'm coming out of this year and everything within me said this is your year you're going to walk into that uh, that doctor's office and you're going to be completely healed and I had such an expectancy in my heart I had such an expectancy I was sitting there and I was confident that I was going to walk out of there with her going I didn't really I don't really see any problem And she told me yet again, there's nothing I can do for you. You need to have a complete hysterectomy. (sighs) She could see the disappointment on me, and she said, the way I see it is you have two options. Either we're gonna have to remove it because of an emergency, or you can preempt it and get rid of the pain, but either way, it's coming out. (laughs) And on January 2nd of 2018, shoot, <clears throat> on January 2nd of 2018, I got in my car, I was sitting in the parking lot, and I began to pound the steering wheel, and I said, God, what gives? Why am I still here? Why am I in the middle of this process? I thought you were my healer. Why am I still dealing with this? Because I believe you. I'm, I believe you. And I have a phrase that I like to say because I want to clarify things. Um I like to say that I get mad with God, not mad at God. Because I believe that um, I believe that he doesn't want us. He didn't give me this. He didn't put this on me to teach me a lesson. He didn't do a- any of that. But I believe that he's just as angry that I'm not seeing my promise as well. He's just as angry that I have to live in this fallen world. And he's just as angry that I am still sitting in here because he wants to see, he wants to give me the glory. So I was, I was just frustrated at God, frustrated with God, asking him where he was. I don't believe that he's afraid of the tough questions. And if you're going through stuff in your life, I encourage you ask him the tough questions. Ask him where he is because I was quickly reminded that he has never left me in the process, never. And I was, I was sitting there and God asked me a question and said, he said, <laughs> he said uh, do you believe I am good? And I thought to myself, God, we are not talking about you right now. We're talking about me. <laughs> Where are you? This is not answering my question. We don't need to talk about how good you are because I believe you are good. And I, I do. I did. I believe that he was good. I believe that he was good for you, that he came to give you a hope and a future. And I believe that, that he is, his goodness is what brings us to repentance. I believe those things. And then he said to me, no, do you believe my intentions towards you are good? Because if you did, you would trust me with this. <laughs> do you believe that my intentions towards you are good? I have a quote that I love to say, and um, if you've you've probably heard me say it or you've heard Pastor Brian say it because... He's heard me say it so many times because I've heard Graham Cook say it so many times. But it says, if you are not anchored in the goodness of God, you will lower your theology to match your pain. Pain is an indicator that there's a problem. And I realized real quickly, if you're not anchored in the goodness of God, then you will lower your theology to match your pain. And I realized that I begin to anchor myself into the pain that I began to anchor myself into hurt and to disappointment. Can I tell you that when you anchor yourselves to those things, that that's flighty, that moves, that shifts, that changes. But the promises of God never do. And once I began to see that, if I anchored myself in God's goodness and God's promise, if I needed to anchor myself into those things, because if you're not Anchored in the goodness of God, you will lower your theology to match your pain. And I began to realize that I began to hold God to a lower standard than I held my pain. I began to hold God to a, maybe he's good for me. He's for sure good for you, but maybe he's good for me because this doesn't feel good. Throughout that time, throughout that process, um, I, I wrote God a letter and I said, okay God, this is what I'm believing for. These are your promises. And at the end of that, I said, but I believe you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask or think according to the power, according to your power that's at work in me. And that's what I ended the letter, and the next morning is when I asked God, what is my word? And he says, your word is instead. See, pain is an indicator that there's a problem Sometimes pain in our life is an in, 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 in indication that we have made a thought a belief that should have never even been a thought. It should have been a lie. And we've made that lie a belief. And we've, found, we've, we've anchored to that belief instead of the promise of God. So in that process, I just began to say, okay, God. And like I said, beauty instead of ashes strength instead of fear, gladness instead of mourning, you will rejoice in your inheritance instead of shame. That year, 2018, I had to do a lot of heart work. I had to deal with some beliefs that I realized I had been believing. But pain is a funny thing because it can go away quickly if you get distracted, right? (laughs) So in September of, uh, September of 2018, I started dating Mr. Andrew Messner. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And on December 3, I got to make sure I get these dates right. December 31st of 2018, he asked me the best question. He said, will you marry me? And I said, right now? No. No joke. That's what I said. Instead of a screaming yes. And on May 3rd of 2020, we got married. Woo, woo, woo. And it, 2019. What did I say? 2020. No, that isn't, that hasn't. No. 2019. Ding it. Ding it. <laughs> so um now I'm lost. It's 20 and he get married. And then um, shortly before we got married, I started having a lot of the same symptoms. A lot of pain was coming back. and um, shortly after we were married, I went back to the doctor's office. and the um, doctor did the same thing. This is a different doctor, so now we're on doctor number seven. And uh, she went through everything. And um, she said, uh, she said, "I have never seen something, someone so young." This bad. Um, I think you just need to have a complete hysterectomy. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit asked me again, what are you believing for? And I said to her, I said, if I was your daughter, what would you tell me to do? And she, she kind of, do I have to answer this question? And she said, um, she said, well, first I tell you to do this and take this. And I said, okay, okay. And then. Um, and then she said, "But I'd also tell you that you should expect many miscarriages. Um, that you should um, that you should expect medical intervention. Um, that you should um, uh, know that this is an if, this is an if, not a when." So I went back home that night, and Andrew and I, we prayed in our one-bedroom apartment. We prayed the prayer of agreement. We said, God, we thank you that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to your power that's on the inside of us. And we went for a walk that night, and I said, "I said, okay, a year from now, what are we doing? And he said, I'm going to be doing yard work, and you're going to be holding our baby. And that became the picture of my heart. It became like a piece, like a balm over my heart, and it became the picture that I saw. A month later, we found out we were pregnant. And on April 2nd of 2020, little Elsie B was born. (laughs) I asked her, I asked him to bring her up because this is like a move that bus moment. This is little Elsie. Elsie means God is my promise, because through it all, God is, uh, God is and was my promise, so that when I look at her, then I, I can see Elsie, 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 and I'm saying God is my promise, God is my promise, God is my promise, and B means bringer of joy, which um, she's brought us a lot of things, and joy is one of them, also tiredness and other things, <laughs> So exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think would be this moment, would be holding her in, uh, in the doctor's office or in the hospital. Exceedingly abundantly above all I could think would be to be able to take this picture right here. Not that one, this one. Where I can see my husband doing lawn work and I was sitting on the deck holding my baby. That's exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask or think. But the end of that scripture says, according to what? According to his power that's on the inside of me. According to his power that's on the inside of me. Now I want to finish the story because in July, when we found out we were pregnant, I started to bleed really bad. So bad we ended up in urgent care, and everything that the doctor said kept running back through my brain. Expect many miscarriages, expect all those, expect medical intervention. All these things are running through me. And the doctor says, She comes back and she goes, Well, it looks like we had a viable pregnancy, but either it's too early to see a heartbeat or it no longer exists. Come back in two weeks. Two weeks. It was an excruciating long two weeks. In that time, we were going through the installation process here. The pastors kept wondering, why the world? Is she crying all the time? That's why. Um, the day after the installation service here, um, we went in and to see the ultrasound. And as she's doing the ultrasound, I felt the Holy Spirit say, what are you believing for? And I said, I am believing that you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask or think according to your power that works within me. Obviously, obviously, the end of the story is everything was fine. But the really cool, I just want to brag on my God for a minute. I want to be brag on Jesus for a minute. Because when I got in the car and they handed you the after aftercare summary, and I flipped open the page and it said, right ovary, normal in size, left ovary, normal in size. You see, God did a miracle. He created something out of nothing. And he will do that for you. How, how do I know? Because my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's no respecter of persons. And what you're going through in life right now, God can see through it to completion. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Worship team, you can come. You can go. Say goodbye to Elsie. She's probably getting heavy. <laughs> I'm asking the worship team to come, and we're out of time. But what I'm going to, I feel like the Holy Spirit is asking me to do something, regardless if I want to do it or not. Um, the Holy Spirit is asking me to do something, and if you need a miracle in your life right now, I'm going to ask you to Stand. If you need God to do something great in your life right now, I'm gonna ask you to stand. If you're at home and that's you, stand up. I'm gonna ask you to stand. And here's the thing. Like I said, God is able to create something out of nothing. He is a way maker, a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He is the light when you cannot see anymore. He is God. He is a creative God and he will will create something out of nothing. And I firmly believe that. So if that's you this morning, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hands. I know I'm getting all weird on you, but can you please do that? I believe God's asking us to do something this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are a creative God. You are a healing God. You are a miracle working God that we don't have to doubt. We don't have to second guess. We don't have to look at anything contrary because we know that you are good. And right now, in the name of Jesus. I speak to those things that be not as though they were. And I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. I say, finances line up. I say, the things that we cannot see, God, show us in the light. Father, Jesus, I begin to declare your work, declare your victory, declare those things. Oh, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you never stop. You never stop working on behalf. You never stop working on our behalf. I see bones lining up in the name of Jesus. If you've been given a death sentence by the doctor, doctor, you are alive in him. He you in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you and we praise you and we give you all the honor and the glory. We thank you that our miracle is right around the corner. Our glory is right around the corner. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said...